different. What does that mean? I don't do what people do. Like, I usually don't do. Well, what did I just tell you, dog? Keep going, keep going, keep going. <laughs> yeah, like, I usually don't do what people do, okay? Like, my sense of humor can sometimes be different, or like people that I, or people that I, things that I do might seem weird to other people, but they're not really like weird or anything. Like, they're just different, and that's okay. And I think that depends a lot on culture. Like, I was raised in a very open and a very, um, what's it called? Like, surrounded by people. So, okay, so, so tell me more about that. Like, tell me your life story. Like, how'd you get here, where okay. you are right now? Great. Wow, that's a long story. But, I mean, I'll try to shorten it up as best as I can. Okay. So, basically, it all started with my dad. While my dad was studying medicine in Cuba... He met my mom in a hospital, actually. So was she like the patient? Um, she wasn't the patient, but she was taking care of the patient, which was her aunt. Oh. So she fell in love with my dad, and my dad fell in love with her. So eventually, they moved in together, got married, you know, did all that stuff. And then after that, seven years later or around, mm-hmm. they had me. So well, my dad, you know, and my mom had me. My dad. You know, he was already, at that point, he was already graduated. He was already a doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what happens is, he gets this mission that Cuban doctors would go into. Not everyone, but a lot of Cuban doctors did. And he left to a mission um, to help out during the earthquake in Pakistan. Wait, so, wait. Yeah. So, yeah. So, just does Cuba just, like, give these missions to doctors? Pretty much, pretty much. And, I mean, it depends mm-hmm. on you if you take it or not take it. Uh-huh. But my dad uh-huh. chose to take it. Okay. So he went and he left to Pakistan. Um, for a while he was there. He was there during the earthquake, during very hard times. But, you know, he went to help out people. And then he comes back. He sees me as a little, you know, baby. He didn't really get to be there when my mom was having me. But How, how long was he out? He was out, uh, I mean, I would say a little over six months. Six months, jeez. Or maybe a little over. Um, but then after he comes back, he has more missions. Mm. So he leaves to Venezuela, like maybe like a year later. And in, during Venezuela, he was one of the people that would run the place there, like the, the whole clinic, you know, the mm-hmm. whole, the whole space they had. And my dad just lives there for like almost five years, I think, or almost six years. I'm not clear about that. So he goes to Venezuela, spends time there, um, does not go back to Cuba for a while. So he only goes back once a year. I really don't get to see him much. Wait, wait. so this is like, how old do you when this happened? I I was like in, I was really young actually. So I was probably like, like give me give me a year. So when he left in two thousand four to Pakistan, years later he leaves to Venezuela. So I'm assuming he left to Venezuela either two thousand five or two thousand six. So you like five. So six, I yeah, I was very very young, even four I think when he left. Um, yeah, around four years old and, or three and, and a half. How long were these missions? These missions were a while. Like the one in Venezuela, it was it was a long time. Yeah, like yeah. I said, he was there for almost five years. Of course, five years. Yeah, almost five years. That's a lot of time, okay, right? And he would like, go back to Cuba like that's once every a year. Big ass jump. Like you tell me, you tell me, uh, the Pakistan that was six months. I was expecting to say, yeah, but five yeah. years. Yeah, like I mean, he kind of chose to stay there, but his whole goal was to get our family to where we are now Mm. here at the united states that was his dream that was his goal and thankfully it came true because a lot of what happened is that 
in Cuba or kind of what motivated my dad to migrate um, was a lot of the poverty and a lot of the, the situation, the, econom- the, um, the economic situation uh-huh. going there, uh, going on there. And it was terrible. Like my dad didn't want that for me. So for your dad, did he grow up poor? I mean, he wasn't extremely poor, but he did have some necessities at times. Mm-hmm. I mean, he grew up with a single mom. Um, um, she she fought through through her way of, of, you know, three. She was having three kids at that point. And she had to fight through life. My grandma, she was very strong. And thankfully, she got my both my dad to study um, at college. Like, my dad studied medicine and my aunt, I mean, not my aunt, my uncle, <laughs> Uh, he studied law and then oh. my other uncle he studied nursing smart people so I mean my grandma fought her way through everything and then but my mom here's here's the difference my mom she was she was poor actually oh, she didn't okay. she she was at a lower economic level than my dad was so I mean it, it was hard for them it was really hard and then my dad just saw how the situation would not improve. My dad would go on these missions and yes, he would have a little bit of money and yes, he was able to send back things to Cuba. But my dad once told my mom, and I remember her telling me this, he was like, all of this that you see right now is going to have an ending. So computers are gonna break down, televisions are gonna break down, everything's gonna break down. And my dad was right. About four years ago, everything was pretty much non-existent. Wait. Four years ago? Four years ago, yes, because things started breaking down after we left. We left Cuba May 6th of 2013. I remember it was actually a Monday. 2013. Yes, Hmm. but here's the thing. So basically, my dad leaves, right? He leaves, everything's fine. Um, Then he pretty much escapes the Cuban government regime in Venezuela to make his way to the United States. So, did he technically immigrate illegally? No. No, it was not illegal because at this point, um, Cubans were not illegal to the United States in any way, shape, mm-hmm, or form. Mm-hmm. And he was also a doctor, okay. which made it a little easier. So, so what do you mean by that? So what I mean by that, basically, Cuba calls these people, like these doctors, for example, that get to go and travel on missions. A lot of these doctors don't go back to Cuba. What these doctors, because the country is falling apart. Nobody wants to come back. Shambles, huh? Yeah. So what they call these people that leave are defectors. Defect. So your dad defected from Cuba to the U.S. Defected essentially from his mission of Venezuela to here. Oh, okay. Because otherwise my dad would have been forced to go back to Venezuela. So as a punishment to every Cuban defector, every Cuban doctor that defected, Eight years of not going back to Cuba. You couldn't go see your family, your daughter, your wife, nothing. So then what happened then? So what happens, my dad comes here in 2009, completely legal. Um, Everything was fine. He started building his way up um, around here. At first, he started working in factories and making, you know, very little money. But he knew he had a purpose to bring us here. Because my dad told me and told my mom, or told himself when he was younger even, my kids are going to be American citizens. Okay, okay. So, your dad's a doctor. Yes. Right? How, long, how long was he a doctor after the five years in Venezuela? I mean, he's always been a doctor. He's always had the degree. But the thing is, the amount of time he has been doing the job for or like 
if he actually does a job here. So what happens is um, after four and a half years of my dad, you know, claiming us to come here, me and my mom make it here. So it's been four and a half years. We haven't seen my dad. We come. But my dad cannot work as a doctor. So he, he, okay, yeah. he started working as a medical assistant in a clinic because with all his, you know, um, classes that he had taken previously in Cuba, he got accepted into, or, or I think he even applied for this medical assistant program. I, th I thought you say he worked in a factory. He did work in a factory, but later on he started working in the more medical stuff. Uh, uh, so, he, okay. so he worked as a medical assistant in a clinic, assisting a doctor and everything like that. And obviously he had a lot of experience. He was a doctor. He yeah. had been all over the world helping people in need. So that happened. And after years of effort and years of studying, because obviously they wouldn't accept his whole entire degree. He would have mm -hmm. restudied everything mm -hmm. or have to restudy everything. Um, he became a licensed RN or a registered nurse. And he first got his associates, seconds his bachelor's. And around, what, since November of 2020, he had his master's in nursing. So, so he's now a family nurse practitioner. Where? Yeah. Did he get all the degrees in the U.S.? Yeah, all in the U.S. But he already had medical like, experience. He did. He did. But that's the thing. They don't really accept your title. You pretty much have to redo everything. And yes, my dad was looking over like doing medicine again. But the thing is, you would have to go two years of residency to another place. And at this time, my mom was pregnant mm -hmm. and things got complicated. So he just went the nursing route. And wow. right now yeah. he gets to do something really similar to what he used to do. Okay. So he gets to prescribe patients. He gets to see patients, obviously under the supervision of a doctor. But I'm, I'm just impressed every time I look at my dad and obviously at my mom, because my mom is actually about to graduate nursing school too. I just look at them and I'm like wow all these things they have done and not for themselves like my my dad tells us all the time i did this for you guys and i appreciate that so much if it wouldn't for my dad's efforts and for my mom you know raising me and their relationship to be as strong as they are because they were years apart but never divorced even without four years of seeing each other's faces that tells me like wow one i can really have a family like that and two like i can make a good career out of myself okay. and I can try okay. my best because if my parents did all of this effort for me then I have to pay it back in some way you know I have to thank them in some way in some way I don't know how your parents did it I mean that's that's a lot of sacrifice man they did it all is a that lot of sacrifice dad sacrificed seeing his entire family for how long until you guys made it to the US almost five years five years of not seeing you or your mom jeez how how did you feel growing up, your dad just constantly going in and out of seeing Well, to be honest, I, I wasn't like one of these type of kids that resented their parents for leaving uh -huh. or anything. In fact, I, I grasped the concept very, very, at a very young age that my dad was doing this for us. My mom would mm. always remind mm. me and she would always make sure that I was knowing that my daddy did this for me and mm -hmm. did this for our family and that we were going to soon be seeing him. So I always, I, I didn't really have a very close relationship with my dad because I didn't used to talk to him much, but I would always have a very nice image of him. I would like, he would send me clothes. Yes, he wouldn't be able to see me, but he did everything else to, I guess, make up for it in a way. Mm -hmm. And even that, even then I didn't even feel it because I used to live with my grandma, my mom and my, um, 
and what's it called? And my grandpa. So my grandpa kind of played that paternal figure while my dad was gone. So oh. I didn't feel it at all. I never really resented my dad for anything he did or for leaving. Um, and he was a, he, my dad's a great dad. Like everything, he would make sure we were taken care of. He would send money over there like every month. So how how's your view and your dad now? Now that you guys are in the U.S., I'm assuming living comfortably. Yes, yes, yes. Getting a nursing and, you know, how, how's it now? Everything is great. Honestly, I think for, you know, ever since this May, it's been eight years that I've been here. And wow, I cannot express to you how it feels after eight years. So it feels like we're so close. Like as a family, we're so close. Like even my little sister, she's super close with my parents. So our family, I think we have our little, our little nest there. It's mm. a little, like a little mm. happy, our little happy place. I felt, I felt like I've been living with my dad my whole life. Like, to be honest, I, I feel like very close to him and very close to my mom too. Like props to her for raising me in such a terrible regime and in, in such like hard situation, you know, she was there alone, but she worked her butt off to get me here and, and, and to get me to the person I am. A lot of who I am is because of her and I thank her for for that yeah. and a lot of the values it's not easy to raise a kid on your own no but. yeah and then especially if i had yeah. a fatherly figure yeah i feel like true man i envy you man so i i talk to my parents about anything to be honest i have a very open relationship with them and in spanish there's a saying called la niña de mis ojos which means like you're my girl and nobody touches my girl like that's my girl like mm. you know like the girl of my eyes that's basically so you know when they touch your eye like yeah, you get yeah, very yeah. sensitive of it well, I'm my parents, la niña de mis ojos, like, you know what I mean? And so is my sister, but, you know, since I was my first child, and it took a while, it took 10 years for my sister to, to be born after mm -hmm. I was born. Um, like, my parents protect me, and they want the best for me, and everything they've done up to now, I'm thankful for, and I, can, I couldn't have a better relationship with them, to be honest. Okay, so... So now you're moving on, right? Mm -hmm. You've made it to USA, and but now you have, you know, I'm assuming you have all these Cuban ideas, cultures, and beliefs true, with you, true. right? And you're entering into this American culture. And you tell me before in the survey, right, that you're, at least my impression, that you're essentially rebranding yourself. You're, you have, you're, your personality is changing. The way you're seeing things is changing. True. Tell me about that. I guess especially going through high school, right? I'm mm -hmm. assuming you're changing a lot. How is it like entering this as a Cuban culture-filled person yourself, entering an American high school? It was, it was very hard. Adjusting is very hard. But my point is not to fit in. My point is to have the best impact on others that I can have. Mm -hmm. Because fitting in can sometimes be boring. That's why I tell people and everyone I met, um, or I try to tell them that, you know, just be yourself. Don't be afraid to to be out there and, and speak up, you know? And it, it was very hard. Listen, Ethan, I came here knowing one language, and that was Spanish. Really? I came here, yes. Really? Yes. I didn't know English eight years ago. Yeah, I didn't. surprisingly good English accent. Thank you. Thank you very much. But I didn't even know one single word. I remember my dad and my mom always retell me these stories that I somehow still remember of me crying on the couch in one end telling my mom, Mom... I can't speak it. I don't know what I'm doing. All of this, I would tell her. I would tell her, no puedo. I can't. Um, and then on the other side of the couch, my mom used to cry along with me while my dad was at work because she she wouldn't she couldn't help me. She didn't even know one single thing either. Oh, so geez. 
it, it was hard. It was really hard. I got bullied at first for being, you know, who I was, for having my customs, for not speaking English. It was tough. Sometimes I would feel so broken down, but those challenges made me the person I am today or have helped me grow in some way because like you said, I have been changing all throughout, throughout high school. And that's because we never stay the same because the only constant in this life is change. The only thing that actually stays the same in this life is change. We're always changing. Mm -hmm. Something is always coming up for you to change. So in my case, it was learning English. So I had to adapt to that. I had to accept that I wasn't going to be, how we say in Spanish, monedita de oro para caerle bien a todo el mundo. Like I'm not a gold coin for everyone to like me. Mm -hmm. Because everybody loves gold. Well, I'm not gold. And I just had to realize that I, people had to see the good in me just like I was. So I didn't have to speak a certain language to be a great person or I, that I didn't have to do all the things they did to be good. So it was hard. It was hard at first. But with determination and perseverance and effort, by the time I was in fifth grade, which I came here around fourth grade, by the time I was in fifth grade, I could speak English and I could actually read it. Yes, I wasn't fluent, but I wasn't about to give up. So tell me about, did you have like internet in Cuba? No. So when's the first time you found the internet? Here, actually here. Okay, so I'm assuming that must have been a big change in your life. That I must mean, have been. Now in the internet and technology is everywhere compared to Cuba, yeah. like you told me before, everything's like crumbling and like you said, your dad said, it's coming to an end. This is not coming to an end. Yeah. We have technology now. And we the have internet. hope here. Uh-huh. But how was the internet for you? So you're in a lot. But to be honest, back in Cuba, around eight years ago, nobody knew what internet was. And yes, there was internet, but it was very limited access. Mm -hmm. Like only a certain amount of people had internet or only in certain government places they had internet. So it was very restricted in a way now people can have internet on their phones. And yes, they're having an easier time like finding sources of entertainment. But when I was growing up, there was no sounds of the internet. And there weren't like these phones, like smartphones. There weren't mm -hmm. things like this. Like, yes, there were computers, but this was years ago. So, you know, technology was still developing. And in Cuba, which is such an underdeveloped country, in a way, like in regards to, to technology and such, this wasn't a reality over there. So when I came, yes, I got introduced to internet in school, like here, you know, when I started the fourth grade, but in my house, I didn't have any internet. So, and my parents didn't have smartphones either. They had flip phones. Really? So around 2014 was the first time I actually knew what actual internet was. Seven years ago? Yeah. So around seven years ago, we didn't even have Wi-Fi at our house until we're like, yo, Let's let's get some Wi-Fi, you know. Did you? Okay, so I'm assuming in high school you you had a phone, by the way. Right? Yeah, I did. Okay, I did. okay, thank God. Um, what about? Okay, so you're getting into this internet. It's great and all, but then, what about the you know the social pressures that come from the internet? So True. How did you feel about that? Like you know, like uh, body image, uh, how would you expect to do from society and crap like that? Like, True. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm assuming that must have been very new for yeah. you, right? It's very new. And honestly, I'm glad I grew up the way I, I, I grew up because I know a lot of kids these days, they're growing up around internet 
pressure from social media to be a perfect image of themselves. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad I didn't grow up around that. In fact, I don't know many things that a lot of people know right now because I don't use the internet as much as other people do. And I never did, to be honest. And I'm glad about that because the internet brings with itself so many good things, but so many bad things at the same time. So, so tell me how it's affected you. It's affected me. Actually, I think at first it started affecting me, but then I was like, wait, why am I changing myself? Or why am I trying to fit in into a spot that everyone is fitting into and mm -hmm. that I shouldn't be like this? Like, no, I'm my own person. I do my own things. So, for example, a few years ago, I was really self-conscious about my body. Really? Yeah. And, or my teeth. Like, I had crooked teeth back then, you know, before I had braces. And that's normally, like, that's totally okay. Like, not everybody's going to have a perfect smile or a perfect body. Like, in my opinion, there's no such thing as a perfect body. Now that I'm about to turn 17, I realize that there's no, first, there's no such thing as a perfect body. Two, you shouldn't let the internet or social media dictate who you are, who you should be, what you should look like, your type of personality, who you hang out with, no. The type of pictures you should take, the type of la lifestyle you should live, not at all. Before, I used to be really self-conscious about this. Mm -hmm. But, mm -hmm. <laughs> not too much though. Only because, of, only because of YouTube and some other social media platforms that I use, but I never really had Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat until like a year ago. And Instagram, I just got a few days ago. So... <laughs> Instagram and stuff like that never really affected me. Okay. Sometimes YouTube did. And seeing all these girls, not just the internet, sometimes people like would tell you to your face or be like, huh, I wish I had a body like so-and-so. Or, hmm, I wish I was like this. And, you know, right now there's this whole going on about the body image and that you have to be perfect. You can't have stretch marks. You can't have cellulite. You can't have this. So it's so much pressure, especially for younger girls. Okay, okay. So... Let's on continuing on this topic of change. Yeah. Right, because you're. It seems like you've experienced a lot of change, especially from that moving from Cuba to America. Tell me about some of the things you did. Like for example, what's something you've tried that you never want to do again? Because I'm assuming you wanted to do a lot of things in America. So something I've tried here that I would never do again. Mm-hmm. Hmm, that's a hard question, actually. I don't really know how to answer that. Is there not anything that you didn't like doing? Because, honestly, everything I've done up to this point, I've liked doing. So, all the way from joining clubs to being great in school, I don't regret anything. Really? You I, never, like, made a mistake? Like, you never, like, made a mistake that you've repeated before or something like that? Like, mm, oh, maybe this would be good, but, you know, it's not. I, I, I can't think of anything as of now. I'm sure maybe some... I, I'm, I make mistakes just like any other human... But right now, out of the top of my head, I can't really, you know, think of a situation that I'm like, I wish I didn't do this before. Because honestly, everything I've done up to this point, yes, I've made mistakes along the way, but these mistakes have made me who I am now. And like, for example, with regards to body image, now I can actually see the value in myself. Mm -hmm. I don't care about what other people think mm -hmm. out there mm -hmm. of what a perfect body should look like or anything like that. Like, I'm confident in myself and I know that that's... The better way to live because if you live unhappy in your own body or in your own self then who are you really living for you're living for other people so okay yeah. so from what it seems like just you know joining from cuba to america and this 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 exploration of i guess american culture and the internet yeah. and wi-fi you don't seem to it doesn't seem like you've struggled so much as far from the fact of body image 
Yeah, I, I get no, no, that. No. Uh, but has there been anything that you've just struggled with, like, these past few years? Honestly? Because it seems like you have, like, a very good time in America. <laughs> I mean, it's been great. It's been great. There has been ups and downs, of course. Um, I actually went through a very sad moment in my life, like... At the beginning of sophomore year, I got so stressed out with with school. I wanted to be great, but really? yeah, I, Tell it, me about it that. was very, it was very stressful. Even I got really sad. I, I was never known for the girl that had depression or that was sad about anything like that. But I, I was always known as a girl that used to be happy about everything. But honestly, I'm afraid to tell you that that's just it can be a little bit of a pressured way to live in a way because life has its ups ups and downs so for me i always thought that you had to be positive 24 7 or that you that you had to be this this type of person 24 7 no but that's not life life has its ups and downs and like i said the only constant in this life has changed so for me i entered sophomore year and i started becoming I had a, like a brief period of depression or or like a brief period of sadness. It, it wasn't really prolonged, so I don't know if people would say it's actually depression. So where did it come from? Um, so basically, it stemmed from myself, my own pressure in myself, and a lot of the outside pressure. So I I entered this class at the beginning of sophomore year, and it was very stressful for me. I I didn't really know what I was doing. Everyone else in that class seemed like they knew what they were doing, but I just. I just didn't know what I was doing. I had to do a lot of work and a lot of effort for that class, but I just couldn't manage myself to get it done. And I remember the first day the teacher, like she was introducing us to the class and I like, I just got so overwhelmed and I was like, I can't do it. And I closed my mind and I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't so do then, it. So then what happened? Like, how did you fix it? So I come home that day and I start crying. And I cried for days and days and days. And I remember not being able to sleep, not being able to eat for days. I remember once almost fainting, fainting in class because I just didn't have anything in my system. And my parents were starting to get worried. My parents were like, what's going on with our girl, you know? But I knew that if I didn't change the way I was going through or like the things I was doing or how was how I was feeling, no matter how hard it was to get out of that deep black hole I was into mm -hmm. that I wouldn't really get anywhere you know I I thought to myself while I was during those really sad times like how am I gonna get out of this I don't like being unhappy like I, I would I was unhappy during that time because I wanted to be the perfect version of myself but I just realized that th that does not exist mm -hmm. so I told myself it is okay to get a B in school it is okay to fail at a test at some point. It is okay for this or it is okay for that, so, so you know? Did you essentially just lower your standards? I wouldn't say lower my standards, but I started accepting failure. Or it's I started accepting yeah. that, yes, I might not be able to do everything I want in a way. Like, yes, I tried to be realistic because I know a lot of people would say, oh my God, that's such a lame story. Like, I can't believe you got sad from that. But for me, I had always been living my life in a way that I, I have to be happy all the time or that I have to be super, super positive all the time or, oh my God, I have to do amazing in school. Yes, that is still a goal of mine, but I, 
I try to live life day by day now. Mm-hmm. So before it would get me really sad because I was like, I'm getting scared. Like, I don't know. I was scared of losing myself throughout that time. And I got, and I, I, I would cry every night. So I, I would. From trying to gain a perfect version of yourself, you were losing yourself? Yes. That is exactly what was happening. Because perfection does not exist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nobody is perfect. And we're all going to make mistakes. That's why I don't think, for example, there's such thing as a perfect body. All bodies are beautiful. All faces are beautiful. Nobody should shame you for anything. And you shouldn't try to be the perfect version of yourself. There's no such thing as, as that because you weren't born perfect. But what you can do, which which is what I've been striving to do for these past few years, and after I went through that really depressive moment that I was trying to find myself, um, is be the best version of yourself mm-hmm. be the best you be the best you can be okay i like you that know? i like that okay okay so let's move on i, I do have some questions sure. about your survey yes. survey answers and i have some comments about it that i want to see if you cool. what you think about it so one of the questions i asked was if you had a magic wand and could do anything you want what would you do and you said Make no one go through necessities, whether that is food shortage or money or anything else like that. I would also have all my family members close since they do live thousands of miles away. That last part, I understand, right? Uh, some of my family, like my dad and my mom, I live with my mom. She's here and my dad is like 45 minutes away. And I do want to see them both like relatively close. That's not everything they can do. So I understand that. However, one thing I do have some thoughts over is their first response. The idea of no one going through necessities where the food shortage of money. And yes, uh, living a life without struggle is great, right? You can focus on your academics. You can focus on, on uh, 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 what? Maslow's, uh, you know Maslow's triangle of needs? Yes, right? once, Yeah, once you get through that security and that food, then you can start getting esteem. Then you can start getting self-actualization, right? Yes. It helps people get there. The only thing I got to wonder about, though, is don't, like, I'm just worried if, let's say you do have the magic power, like you have that magic power, bam, right. bam, power. <laughs> the only thing I'm worried about is, I'm worried about, I think of, uh, like, really spoiled kids. Because, not in the sense that, oh, you know, just give them all they want, they have pads, shit like that, right? What I'm worried about is, if they don't find struggle... Growing up, at least something, right? Mm-hmm. Whether that's food, maybe sleep. I feel like they're going to have a bad impression of the world. Because if, uh, at least, let's say, a spoiled kid, right? They get treated everything, everything they say they get, right? Just like a basic stereotype of uh, spoiled kids, right? Their impression of others and... The world is going to be so individualistic, self-centered because they expect others to just do for them. I feel like without struggle, how can we grow, right? Mm -hmm. You have to struggle to grow, right? You struggle with your grades and your version of yourself. You could grow to learn from that. If you never got that, you might not even be here now. You're right. Right? I, I just disagree with the idea of letting people even though they're young and they're still learning they still need this sort of uh, uh protected sense of reality to have some sort of uh struggle within so they can grow from it right true people grow the most from struggles just 
What do you think about that? I think you're making a good point. I think you really are, and your point is extremely valid. What I meant by this by this answer was that since I grew up in in a country where people were literally starved, mm-hmm. or where people mm-hmm. had literally no clothes to put on, or only had one pair of underwear for like a week, and they would have to wash it every day, and it would get broken, you know, and you had to fix it. These are the type of things I mean. No, yeah, that's you know? some that's some serious poverty. These man. kind of things. That's the things. And that... I agree. And I agree. Mm-hmm. People should go through struggle through struggles to really learn from life mm-hmm. and be thankful. Because yes, a lot of people they have everything in life and they never go through anything and they're extremely spoiled and they think they deserve everything. But no, the thing is you have to work for things. But here's what I mean. There they are exceptions to what I said. I don't want anybody through go through having to starve themselves, like little kids, you know, uh-huh. these kind of yeah, things. Yeah, I get so what you mean that. if if you starve yourself because for example, you're a you're a grown adult, you have a you have the capability of having a job and everything, okay, like if, if you don't wanna eat enough and if you don't wanna do that, okay, that's your choice maybe if even if your job pays enough for you to do that. But in the case of a little kid, they have no no choice or anything like that, or they don't have like a toy to play with or they, or their parents simply don't have enough money to be like, hey, you know, even if it's something small, like parents don't have that kind of money to be like, I'm going to buy you this glass that has the little pony painted on it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, no, because there is no such thing as being like or having a fun life as a little kid back there where I used to live. Yes, only very limited amount of people got that life. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that not a lot of people did. And I just want every kid to be able to play at least with one little toy or no kid to be starved whatsoever. Yes, they can go through struggles in other types of way, but I just feel like if they go through struggles, for example, like being hungry all the time or, or for example, having abusive parents, things like that, I don't want anybody to go through that. And yes, I understand that you should struggle in life to learn, but... These kind of things really break my heart because I just grew up around it. Mm-hmm. No, no, I get what you mean. I mean, I, I grew up around some of those things as well. I, I, just, I just feel like kids need to struggle in a modern sense. Not a struggle as in, oh no, I got a boo-boo on my elbow. I agree with that. feel like that, right? Like that's, that's a kid thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, need, I feel like they need to learn some struggles that an adult can struggle to, right? Yeah. Like not I wouldn't say to the extent of like extreme poverty per se. No one should go through that. Yeah. No matter how young or old you are. But it, I feel like it has to be something that will show them well at least give them a hint of the real world. Right? Because the real world is not yeah. all You have to expose uh, them to that. Yeah, not all unicorns and rainbows. Mm-hmm. And if you know we can't we don't wanna it's kinda like Santa, right? Uh, Santa's great and all, but I'm sure every kid has some sort of doubt about it. And that, because of that initial impression, like the cookies and the milk and all that shit, um, it's easier for them to start understanding that Santa isn't necessarily real, right? Now, if you were to just tell them over and over, Santa's here, and they literally see Santa, because I don't know, dad's decided to dress up as that. To the point where they just cannot stop thinking about it. And then they all of a sudden they drop the news in high school. Santa isn't real. It's first of all. 
It's gonna be hard for them to like yeah. believe it actually is there. It's gonna be in denial. And it ruins their reality. It, uh-huh, ruins the reality. And obviously, if your entire perspective is ruined, you're gonna be like messed up, right? And especially at time of change like that, you can't be really going through that because that's gonna define you, right? So it's, I feel like struggle is necessary, at least in a sense of hinting the real world, because it's easy for them to accept it. Now that I agree with. Right. Yes. Yeah. Especially, if, and it's a lot on the parents too. Like mm-hmm. parents should be, you know, exposing their kids to the real world. <clears throat> Maybe not like in a way that like, like you said, extreme poverty. And a lot of times it's not the parent's choice. So I'm not trying to blame it on the parents or whatsoever, mm-hmm. because sometimes Parents can't really choose what to give their children or not, like especially materialistic, and especially thinking about it in a materialistic way. But yes, in ex- in in terms of exposing them to what the real world is like, one hundred percent. So, give me. Let's say you're a parent. What would you want to put to them to show them a little bit of the real world? To sh- to open, open me to the real world. Open your kids to the real world. Um, or what I would do to mm-hmm. open my kids what to the real world. Well, I'll give you some time to think. I, it, this question can have a lot of answers, I'm assuming, depending on each person and what they each want. I mean, um, okay, first of all, you know, I'm assuming you're moderately fine. Like, you, you can pay your bills and shit like that. Yes. You can provide for your yes. child. But what would you want to do to show in the real world? Well, well, honestly, maybe, like I said, not give them everything they want. Because, yes, kids can want everything, but you can't give them everything. Because if you give them everything they want, then that's when they start becoming so spoiled. you're giving them the hard no. Yeah, I would. And I would be like, it's not happening. And sometimes you have to earn things. And not even that. Sometimes let them go through struggles. Like, for example... Okay, you get a bad grade in school, and okay, yes, like you're. I mean, yes, you shouldn't be like, oh my god, this is the end of the world. But okay, you get a bad grade in school where you're gonna try a little harder, right? And I'm gonna make them go through that and realize that they're not gonna get ten dollars for getting that C. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I told myself I'm not going to be this type of mom that pressures her kids to have perfect grades because my parents were never those type of parents with me. Never. They wanted mm, me to do my best, uh-huh. but they didn't. I was the one who was putting that pressure on myself. Uh-huh. So, so you're making it so it's easy for them to accept having that Exactly. So, it's easy so I them. want them to go through that struggle. And yes, they might feel fine about it or they might not. They might feel really sad about it. That's, that's really... You know what I mean? Yeah. Man, I never thought of it like that. That's sort of a... Even just this, like that impression of not being able to you know get everything you want, essentially not being able to get the grades you want, can yes. give you that impression of you're not gonna get everything you want in the real world, right? You're right. not gonna go. And of course, um, I'm not just gonna. Yes, it, it's nice to give your kids money for making good grades, but I don't want them to associate mm-hmm. doing great in school with money. Uh-huh. I want uh-huh. them to associate doing good in school yeah. with themselves and with. Putting out the better version do, of themselves. Do you think that's why, I don't know, like middle schoolers who, you know, always get A, you know, I'm feeling top dog shit when they get high school and, you know, they're talking B's and C's, they, their reality is shattered. <laughs> that could right? be a lot their of Their impression reason. of themselves is shattered and that can definitely turn down for right. the worst, right? Or, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, another thing is, for example, 
whenever they make a mistake, like say they break the neighbor's window throwing a ball or something, and then they're what, like 10 mm -hmm. or around that age where they're a little older and they know what they're doing and they know what, the, what they did is wrong. Well, I'm not just going to be like that nice mom. I mean, yes, I will be a nice mom, but I'm just, just not going to be like, oh my God, you know what, darling? It's fine. You don't even have to go and apologize mm -hmm. to the neighbor. No, sir. You're going to go over here and you're going to get your shoes on and you're going to go over there to the neighbor and you're gonna, I'm going to come with you and you're going to apologize and you're going to tell them that what can you do to fix it or what can you do to help them. So you're essentially forcing them to be vulnerable. I mean, not forcing them, but I'm putting them out there in a way. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You're, you're putting them out there to to not be so protected by you. In fact, you're going to... Yes, and you're yes, making, because uh -huh. if they just grew up, grow up by me just, just saying, like, oh, don't worry about everything, then that's not the real world. Once uh -huh. they have to face that reality, that harsh reality of like, sorry, man, like, this is it. Like, you know, mm -hmm. once they get a real job or once they get exposed to real life, like, no, I want them to be a good man or a good woman once they grow up. For example, I want them to be able to apologize to people uh -huh. and I want them to know that for their mistakes, they have to recognize it and that they shouldn't blame other people for it. You know that, what I mean? That is so smart. That. I've never thought of it like that. that in fact, I, I've never thought of it that way of those lip, just those small things of like making you apologize to your neighbor or accepting you have bad grades can really affect you because those can. those are like little impressions of the real world right being right. saying apologizing making amends uh accepting that you're not going to be able to get everything you wanted right. whether that be grades or toys or whatever that's ah but it, it makes me think because you know obviously there's not not everyone is like that not people even in high school i'm pretty sure you've seen it i've seen it People are still very much self-centered. They feel like yeah. you can get this way or that way. You know, they can get their way. And do you think maybe it's their parents not pampering them a certain way that help them learn that it's not always about them or always this way? Yeah, a lot of times people grow up thinking that they deserve everything they want. So I was never really that type of person growing up because like I said, the, the environment I grew up in, I knew people were going through necessity. And that people were, a lot of people were poor. A lot of my friends were poor while growing up. I thankfully had, you know, my dad sending me stuff and, and me having, a, like, you know, nice things when I was growing up. But not even, like, it, it would hurt me because I would see other people, they didn't have that. So I would share what I had. So that's another thing. A lot of kids don't really, or are not really taught by their parents to share at a young age. Their parents... Some of their parents are individualistic too. So they're like, you have to keep this all for yourself. You can't give out anything. No, this is you. You have to look out for yourself. You don't care what's breaking up or what's going down in the world around you. If the world is ending, you don't care. You have to protect yourself. And sometimes that can be a selfish mindset. I'm not saying that it's not a good thing to take care of yourself and to look out for yourself. I'm just saying that sometimes you have to think about what others are going through to really understand, wait, am I being selfish? Or things like that. Like, have, for example, picking up your own mess or uh, something, uh, teaching your kids uh, to do that. Have you acted selfishly before? I am pretty sure I have. Probably in regards of money. Yeah. And I, I, can, I can probably name a couple of situations where I have acted selfish. And then I've thought back, 
you know, through it. And I'm like, why was I like this? Because the bad thing is that we're imperfect people. So we're always going to have, I guess, the tendency to, I don't know, maybe do bad things or or just only think about ourselves. Did, did this, I don't know, this man's like these occasional bursts of um, selfishness. Did that come from, I don't know, living in poverty in Cuba? Because, um, at least for me, uh, when I was growing up, I lived in, like, uh, I guess, in between extreme poverty and, like, middle poverty. Right? Somewhere like that. Right. And I was taught to keep everything. But that was because I was poor, right? There's, you can't afford to share. You can't afford to trust others. Right. And so that taught me to be efficient in a way of only doing things for myself, which is now not as much of a good thing because as you can see here, we're not living as poor before. Mm-hmm. So how, I'm assuming living in poverty, I'm assuming you're living in poverty in Cuba because like you said before, everything's like going to an end. How, what did that teach you? I mean, I'm assuming you weren't always this, you know, upright and enthusiastic kid and sharing and so selfless right I'm, I'm sure you've changed somewhere yeah and you know even the interesting thing about all of this is that i was selfless at that time but then you come to a country where you have everything or where you have the opportunity of having everything and then you have all of that and then you're afraid you're gonna lose it and that's when you're like yo 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 wait i have to keep this for myself um wait, why, why Why? do I have to give out money to so-and-so or like things like that? Because for example, my dad is the most selfless person I know. So he tends to, you know, he doesn't usually like me saying these things, but he does tend to give money to people that are in need or things like this. So sometimes I'm going to be like, yo, but instead of this, maybe we could use this for this. And then I tell my dad and then I, I, I'm, I realize like, wait, why am I being like this? And that's when I start rethinking and I start reforming myself to the actual selfless version of myself. I think all humans have a selfish side or that bad side that if we unleash, it can come out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, whenever I start thinking about that, now that I do have a lot of opportunities and a lot of things here in America, I'm not rich or anything, but yes, I'm better off than I was in Cuba. You know, I'm afraid, I'm afraid to lose things sometimes. But I still have to remind myself that I grew up in a society where people, a lot of people around me were poor. So I don't, I, I don't want people to be living through that. And if people, and if I can do something to help people not live through that, I will. And that's when I start forgetting about selfish things. You know what I mean? That is so odd. That's funny. Because, um, at least to me, we both lived in a, I guess, somewhat poor uh growing up i live selfishly but you lived selflessly because mm-hmm. you understand who's possessed but i want to keep to myself that's it's just interesting to me psychologically how people can have different responses to the same thing either they're more uh selfish desire or more selfless desire right yeah. and okay so i just want to summarize if you you're telling me you're in cuba right mm-hmm. Uh, you had this mindset because you understood that you were poor. You understood that your dad was going out, and you understood that other people were poor. You were uh, this. I'm assuming you are what you are now, just younger. You get to America, shit's changing. 
culture shock almost um and you almost shift like into a different person entirely because yeah. i don't know i'm assuming you wanted to see america for yourself right yeah. you wanted to, accept and to technically fit in with everybody uh-huh and i, I and then we're going here i admire this about you that you essentially you enjoyed the good parts about america but then resisted the bad parts about america by not as not by saying you're ignoring it and just pretending it's not there, but not only acknowledging it, acknowledging it within yourself, and then changing so you don't live out those bad parts of America because America's individualistic culture, yeah. right? And now we're here. You're still you from your younger self. That is right? true. This, this change in America didn't change you at all. It's kind of weird. Um, okay, so we're going to transition now because that was a very interesting question. Talia, yeah? Yes. Okay. Um, we're going to play a game. We're not really strangers. Okay. okay. So I'm going to move this here. There's no need for it anymore. Great. I'm going to play We're Not Really Strangers. I hope you remember all the rules. Okay. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. You know, it, it's nice to tell your story and for people to know more about you because I'm assuming a lot of people don't know this whole entire story and I don't really tell this to a lot of people, you know? But the people who actually know me and, and who actually want to know more about me, if you know, if they're down to hearing this episode, like, that's awesome because maybe they get to know me a little more. Um, I'll be like, you know, go on a legally opinionated on Spotify <laughs> to listen to it. And, and I just want to say one thing to everybody that's listening. Okay. I want to say that some people are going to push you to be who they want you to be. But you have to remember... That in order to be happy and in order to be your own best version of yourself, you have to follow your dreams. Don't ever let fa- failure or the fear, fear of failure bring you down because that is only one small misstep in your whole life. So follow your dreams. Be happy. Don't be afraid to have ups and downs. And don't be like me that at the beginning I thought I had to be happy 24-7. But I realized that that was not reality and that was not a healthy way of thinking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... Tell yourself, it's going to be okay, and it's okay to have a sad moment in life, but guess what? I'll bring myself back up, and that's what dis- defines a strong mm-hmm. person. I so love that. I, I just love want that. everybody to know that, and I want everybody to follow their dreams, and I want anybody, everybody to know that you're not alone. You matter. You deserve everything if you work for it, and yeah. That's the energy I like. Okay. Perfect. Okay. So, do you want to go first or I go first? You go first. All right. All right. Okay. Break the ice, Ethan. <laughs> so this, remember, level one is perception. So, I'm asking you this question mm-hmm. about me. What about me intrigues you? Um, how you like bringing out the best version of everybody. So, you, 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 you ask people more about themselves, and that's what makes it interesting. Because you don't only want to talk about yourself and, and be like, oh yes, I'm this, I'm that. Like, you have a lot of reasons to do that but yet you don't do it because you want other people to be appreciated and for other people to be great i mean you know? i do that because like you i'm changing um like i told you before i grew up poor and i lived selfishly right i had to i had to make it so i keep everything for myself because i don't have much for myself right but now that i'm growing up i'm trying to change that and through that, I'm trying to understand, like, essentially what you do now, understand how people grow up and how they come to be. True. Right? I like that. I like that. All right. Your turn. Go ahead. Pick okay. up a card. I'll pick a card. Let's see. Let's look at this one. 
how, how likely am I to go camping? How high maintenance is my setup? What? This one is interesting, What is this right? question? I don't know. High... I've never seen this question. Hmm. Good pick, then. I think you 10 out of 10 go camping. I can already imagine you in camping gear just hiking. You got, like, a real uh, SpongeBob vibe to you. Like, super enthusiastic, stuff like that. Great. Right? That's great, because I've actually never watched SpongeBob, so I'm glad you wow. expanded on that. You make me sick to my stomach. <laughs> Sorry. I grew up around no internet. And then high maintenance. Actually... I feel like you're. I feel like you're messy. So I, I feel like you're gonna have all the tools, but then it's gonna. It's like over the hours, it's gonna be more messy, more scattered about. Maybe in like a circle of mess, but I think that's a view. That's an interesting perception. I, if I want to, I can let myself be messy, but I don't like to be messy. I like everything to be organized, but really? sometimes I don't like to pick up things. So I'm just like, I have to put my mind to it. My room is usually clean most times but sometimes i'm like uh oh my god no it's getting messy so i pick it up you know mm -hmm, things like that mm -hmm. okay okay let's move on to level two uh typically mm -hmm. we normally go for like five rounds of level one okay but we don't have time for that so let's just move on so level two is connection okay okay so these questions oh shit okay that one's long. This is a wild card. Wild cards are basically cards that um, we both do, and it's interactable. Okay. Wild card. Both players write an embarrassing fun fact about yourselves. Play a game of rock, paper, scissors. Loser must reveal. <laughs> okay, I hope I win, because I really want to tell my story. <laughs> write an embarrassing fun fact. Oh, I mean, Actually, I hope I lose, things. so I can just tell you. All right, all right. But I guess we'll still do it. I mean, if you, I mean, if you just want to tell me, I don't. If I don't have to tell a story, you got this. Come on, you right, need to. Yeah, right. I, I just want to make you go through that. Okay. Okay, let's see. Let's go, baby. <laughs> All right, tell me about yourself. Okay, so I lost. I know I said I I wanted to win to tell my story, but no, I had to lose to tell mm -hmm, you the embarrassing mm -hmm. story. So one time I was in fourth grade. It was really funny because I go to the restroom, I come out, and I have a toilet paper like line stuck that's real? to my foot. That's real? And I walked I around. I always thought that was just part of a cartoon. No. Okay. And I walked around with that until someone was like, look at that. And I'm like, oh my God, I cannot believe I've been walking around the school with that on my foot. It was so funny. I mean, it was really embarrassing at first because I, I didn't know what to do. But then I'm like, oh. You could take it off. Yeah, so I could take it off. <laughs> Okay, okay. Go pick up a car. Okay, same, right? Level mm -hmm, two, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. What's your father's name? And tell me one thing about him. My father's name? Mm-hmm. Uh, my father has two names. An American name and a Vietnamese name. Okay. Uh, his Vietnamese name, including uncle. So uncle is Buck in Vietnamese. So his full name is Buck Young. Buck Young? Mm-hmm. And his American name is Nan. Nan. Right, because uh, when he transitioned from Vietnam to America, he obviously had to have an American name because mm -hmm. it's just easier to say. Right. Um, one thing about him, <sighs> there's a lot of things about him, but uh, I guess I guess related to your dad, your dad kind of reminds me of my dad because uh, so my parents are divorced. And I live, my mom and my dad lives 45 minutes away from here. 
But my dad is kind of like yours, where even though he's not technically present, he always tries to mix it up, uh, makes it up with us, me and Dern, whenever he sees us, right? Trying to go to the restaurant, uh, you know, talking to us, shit like that. Just those little things makes that's him sweet, seem larger than life. But, I mean, I understand why he does that, right? I mean, he, he technically, no, he was never technically here for us growing up. Like, me and Dern didn't have a fatherly figure growing up. Mm-hmm. And especially as two boys growing up, we need another male figure to see, teach us how to be a guy, right? Yes. And so I guess he tries to make it up by just, I don't know, trying to be, trying to be our friend. But I don't know how you're able to do it if you're dead, because it's hard for me to find connection with him, right? He's like, sometimes he's a total stranger with me, because, um, you know, I, I don't really see him yeah, at I all, right? So, I envy that of you, trying for being able to find a connection. You what? But I envy that of you being able to find a connection with your dad, because I honestly don't know when I'm ever going to find a connection with him, mm-hmm. no matter how sad that is to say. I get what you mean, and it can sometimes be hard, but maybe as you get older, and maybe as you have, I guess, more freedom, and, and you're more independent, maybe you guys can see each other more, because, you know? Maybe. Life gets tough. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Like, right now... Our, our relationship is up in a mystery. We'll see what happens. <laughs> well, I hope it. I hope you guys can make a workout. So, let's go to the third level. Okay. All right. I'll pick this one. This one in the middle. Because I probably didn't pick this before. Percept, uh, reflection. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Reflection of our conversation, essentially. What question were you most afraid to answer? I feel like this is going to be a boring question, so I'm ready to swap. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know. Everything has been exciting to say, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, I mean, you told me before, the only question you wouldn't really answer is just, like, really strange ones. Yeah. Like, ooh, <laughs> when do you pee? <laughs> like, when do you pee? <laughs> okay. yeah, Let me just do another one. Yeah, that, this is shit. Hmm. What is a lesson you would take away from our conversation? A lesson. Well, now telling you everything, this is actually a way of my mind to express itself. Because sometimes our thoughts can get so piled up inside of us and we don't know how to, how to get them out. A yeah, lot of people just, journal mm-hmm. and a lot of people do these kind of things. But for me, I like talking to other people. That's just no, my way of doing it. I mean, this. I do the podcast. I like that right, too. I'm right, a big right. fan. So, to be honest, I, it, it feels so... Uh, what's the word, mind-opening, or I, I, I actually, like, wait, I didn't know I thought this way. Mm-hmm, like, now that mm-hmm. I'm actually telling you how no, I think yeah, exactly. is what I'm realizing. And, like, I think of it like, you know what? I should never change for anyone, and I should always be the best version of myself, and I should never let anybody bring me down. Yeah, These yeah. kind of things, you know? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I thank you for that. For, no, for yeah. That I mean, that's, that's what I go through as well whenever I talk to people, because... I'm not really a writer or like a speaker to myself and the audio things, but that's the reason I like talking to people because yeah. it helps like you s- just suddenly realize that you talk like this and you act like exactly. this. Exactly. Uh, how you interact is, it's a crazy feeling almost. It it's is. like you're, you're finding a revelation within yourself. True. Right. And I feel like, I, I mean, at least for me, I can only get that through talking to others. That is, that is the way I do it too. Right? I like to journal, but it's not nearly the same as, you know, talking to someone mm-hmm, else and mm-hmm. being like, yo, this is actually me, you know? <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, my turn. 
Do you want to pick up the first one? The second one? Yeah, I'll do the second one. How would you describe me to a stranger? Okay, I'm excited to hear this one, Ethan. A stranger? Hmm. Hmm. I'm actually kind of scared to answer this one. No, you, you, you go and you answer uh, it as openly as possible. Short. Um, long hair. Okay. Real SpongeBob vibe. <laughs> Very energetic. Energetic to the point where it's tiresome. I don't understand how you get that much energy. I don't know either. Even without caffeine. Uh, you don't do caffeine? I don't. Crazy. Um, a lot. You're a lot. I think I'm a you're. Lot? A, I think you're a lot to people. Whether, like in what sense? Whether you mean a lot, you are a lot. You're a lot to handle. Stuff like that. Okay. Okay. So, um, you mean you're saying like I'm a lot to handle, like I'm high maintenance? No. 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 You're just a lot, like a lot in general. You show a lot, like you're very sudden. I feel like when you appear. Great. I feel like that's how it's like when you first came into our friend group, you know, Sultan Camilla, all that shit, right? It was very sudden. Yeah. At least to me, because it wasn't really like, oh, I know this person and I knew this person. We slowly. It was like, at least from what I understood, you knew Camilla, and it was like, yo, let's go. Very sudden for me. So that was a lot to me because it's like I have uh, I un, I uh, I basically got to understand this entirely new person from the get go, right, 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 right. zero to a hundred. Now I get what you mean. Uh huh. Um, get ready for a conversation. I feel like because I feel like you're always trying to talk, whether that's for good or for worse. For a worse. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean that is true. You never know what's gonna happen in the in the conversation. Mm-hmm. But I usually mm-hmm. try to talk about good things. Okay. So that's the game. I would love to play more, but we don't have time. Sadly, sadly, it's sadly. it's been an hour actually. Wow, I'm surprised. Um This is the final thing. So I guess I wanna say now, thank you very much, Talia. For coming here, sitting down with me, and just having a conversation. I mean, I always appreciate having a conversation, no matter how boring or exciting it is. Awesome. With different people. Awesome, awesome. I'm always down for conversation. I appreciate too. it, man. Um, do you want to write a note on that? I mean, why not? Why not? Oh, uh, where's the card? The card's here, if you really want to understand how it works. But yeah, sure. We'll end it here. Okay, and great. just write the card from here. All right, awesome. thank you very much, Talia. I thank appreciate you, Ethan, your audience. Thank you, for the invitation. Mm-hmm. I'll see you later. Bye, everyone. <laughs>